0: As we come to the text today, um, getting ready for it, Christ has <clears throat> he has—he's redeemed the most scandalous of people. If you've been journeying through the Gospel of Luke with us, uh, by the way, I guess I should say this, if you're a guest with us, we just journey straight through books of the Bible. Um, so where we end last week is where we pick up back up the next week. And so uh, we've been journeying through Luke. And we've made it to Luke chapter 8. Jesus has, has just had his feet washed, if you remember, uh, by a scandalous lady. And he loved every minute of it. And he has drawn her heart. And um, the, the religious elite are <laughs> being shunned and shunning Jesus. And uh, the vagabonds are being loved, and it's it's a phenomenal thing. And so that's where we just pick back up in our ongoing journey, Luke chapter eight. And so soon afterward, soon after he had had his feet washed by this lady, soon afterward he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who had provided for them out of their means. <clears throat> he's got a true, he's, he's got a ragamuffin crew following him. Um, think bad news bears, right? Better yet, for those of you who, because most of you are too young to know what that is, um, think Safe Haven Church, It is a ragamuffin. It's the leftovers, all right? This is who's following him. And now he's going to want to explain something to all the people that are following him. Mainly, he wants to explain, hey, not everybody's going to be like you. Not everybody's going to follow us. And not everybody's going to follow me. He he wants them to know that. And then he also wants them to know that just because of that... There's no way to make the gospel more or less relevant. It is what it is. And some people are going to listen, and some people are not going to listen. And he wants them to know that, because he don't want them to lose heart, that a lot of people are not going to listen to the gospel. And so you may have heard where we are in the text today, called the parable of the sower. Right? You've heard this? I'm not exactly sure that that's exactly what's going on in the text. I think it's probably better called the parable of the soil. And we'll look at that today. So track along with me with that in mind. We continue with verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, Some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, after he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, To you, it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, catch this, they're in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while. And in time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear But as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. And as for that, if it's in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. The word of God for the people of God. Pray and then we'll be seated. Lord Jesus as we come to this text today, there's, there's no doubt <clears throat> that just reading it aloud has done two things already. <clears throat> to some, it is a horrifying passage. And then to others, they, others are standing in amazement that anything of the Word of God, the gospel that has come into their heart... Um, they're, they're, they're stunned that, that they've received any of it it's just a miracle and they give you thanks they give you thanks and so Jesus today we just want to stand with Jesus and say we realize that there's no way to make the gospel more or less relevant it just is what it is and so we want to throw the seed out there of who Jesus is And then let you do your work. So, have your way as we examine this text as a group. In Jesus' precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Well, maybe you've read this text or maybe you've never read this text. Maybe that's the first time you've ever heard this text. Um, it's It's a fascinating passage. And as we... As we look at it together, man, I really do pray that it um, awakens your heart. It, it encourages you if you're a believer. And, and here's the deal. If you're an unbeliever in this room, man, we pray today that the Lord awakens your heart um, to understanding who Jesus is. And, and, and gospel fruit occurs in your life. So I'm not going to reread through all the text. I, I do want to highlight one thing. Because I think if you can get this, then I think you can really kind of understand all of the text. And that just simply being uh, Luke chapter 8, mainly and primarily verse 10 for a second. That phrase where he said this, he, he had lobbed out the parable and the disciples came and, and they're stunned. And they're like, what are you talking about? What does this even mean? And then Jesus' answer is is not one that we typically would think that he would say. You kind of would think... That he would say something along these lines, um, well, I, I spoke in parables so that it would be easier for them to understand. Because it's, I, I couldn't go through the complexities of the gospel and, and, and expect normal men to get that. I kind of had to dumb it down into parables. But if you noticed, that's not what he said at all. He said, as a matter of fact, I'm going to teach in parables so that what happens? They don't see and they don't hear, and they don't understand. It's kind of a strange thing to be said, right? And it ties into Isaiah. Isaiah was given the same thing. It was Isaiah, hey, you're going to go preach, and, and here's the deal, nobody's going to listen to you. But just because people aren't going to listen to you doesn't mean that you don't keep proclaiming. You teach, you obey, and let me do the work. And so this is, he, he kind of utters the exact same thing, and he says it exactly that way. It says, To you, it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. So I want to say this. If you're in this room and you're like, I do understand the kingdom of God, I I get it, I, I hear the gospel. Well, praise the Lord. In that moment, you should go, Thank you, Lord, that I'm seeing and hearing. To you, it's been given. You didn't churn it up on your own. You didn't decide, hey, today I'm going to figure out the gospel. It was planted in your heart. So if you just sang songs and praised the Lord and got excited, then you should go, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And so this is what's going on in this passage. And then he says this, but for others they're in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So what's going on here? In other words... What he's saying is where I started. Jesus is saying the gospel is what it is. There's no way to make it more or less relevant. There's no way to spin it in such a way that somebody goes, oh, yeah, okay, now I understand better. It just is what it is. It is simple, it is clear, it is truth. The gospel is a truth to be believed, it's not a feeling to be felt. If you don't hear anything else I say today, man, get that. The gospel is a truth to be believed. It's not a feeling to be felt. Your feelings will go all over the crazy place if you let them drive you in your spiritual journey. But the truth of the gospel is simple. Now, in context, what's going on? You've got the religious elite going, hey, we we know the laws of God. And here's the way it works, Jesus. You do certain things, you do them the right way, you earn favor, and then eventually, if your good outweighs your bad, the Father will say, good, you obeyed me well. That's what the religious are leading. It's workspace, workspace. Jesus comes in and says, it's not that at all. (laughs) The good news of the kingdom is, you will never do enough. But I will fulfill the law. I will match it perfectly. And those who put their faith in me, I will scandalously give them my righteousness in exchange for their rottenness. My righteousness for their rottenness. And those who believe that, those who trust in that, will be saved. And then the religious elite are going, that's too, sim- that, that's too simple. That's too dumb. And so they are indeed hardening their own hearts To the point where they cannot believe this, the substitutionary work of Christ. And so in doing so, they hear, but they do what? Not believe. So that's what's going on in the text. So he says, listen, I'm proclaiming this. It's simple. It's the simple truth and some are going to reject the simple truth of the scandal of the gospel because they believe that they're more and better works. They're more adherence to the law. their more righteous deeds they do will finally get them in. And Jesus says, no one will come to the kingdom that way. That's by works, not by grace. And so in this moment, they'll harden themselves and they will be accountable for trusting in their works rather than Christ's work for them. Does that make sense? That's what's going on in this passage. So with that said, he said there's, there's seeds that are being scattered. And, and I think the easiest way to do this, if you're like me, is to see it. So I've made a little chart. Um, again, if, if you're not a chart person, then, you know, I don't know how you learn. Um, I have to see it to understand it. And so I just kind of made you guys a little chart of how I think this text is playing out. So you have the sower, and the sower specifically in this passage is Jesus himself. In other words, hey, ladies who are following me, the 12 that are following me, I'm going to go around. I'm the sower. I am scattering seed. But you also will be scattering seed, and not everybody's going to believe. Some will harden their own hearts. So this is applicable to us. So if you're a believer And you have proclaimed the good news of Christ, you're part of the one sowing. So the sower is the one that's sowing the seed, just proclaiming the scandalous news of the substitutionary work of Christ. All right. Now, with that said, there's gonna be a couple of people that he he talks about, and this is why I think it mainly talks about not the sower, but the soil. Because everything that every instance, there's four instances he gives in which the seed falls upon represents the soil. So the soil, in my opinion, is the main um, crux of the text. All right. So we've got four types of soil. Let's go ahead and pop the first one up there. You'll remember, the sower went out, he scattered seed, and the first type falls upon the path or the wayside. <clears throat> so think with me: Lake Lurline Trail, Oak Mountain Trail. You've been out there, you've been on some path. Maybe if you're blessed to have woods behind your house, maybe there's a path, all right? And so it's a, it's a trampled down path is kind of what the first type of soil is. And maybe the soils could even be better understood in heart conditions. It's, it's a heart that's been stomped flat by the world. That type heart does have the seed thrown out upon it. And so they they hear... But maybe we could understand it this way. They heard the gospel in the same type way as passing chatter if you were going down Lake Lurline's trail. Now, if you've ever rode your bike or done a hike down a path and, and you're going along, somebody else comes by, and they're talking, and if you're nosy like me, you try to ear in, hear what's going on in their family situation, and you're like, I got a crazy uncle too. You know, <laughs> you know whatever it is. But, but you just kind of hear, and the, and the chatter goes by. You don't really... They, these type of people don't embrace the gospel. It's just kind of chatter. It's just kind of noise out there. It falls on this path. And did you notice that Satan specifically is there for these people? The moment that it's just kind of scattered out, he is snatching up seeds as quick as he can because he don't want them to, to hear the gospel. And it's so dis, it's distractions at every turn. So as they're walking down the path, he's like, Hey, I got water over here. Hey, there's somebody that's you, you know, made fun of you over here. Or there's, there's Hey, here's a different route you can go down. It's this. And so Satan's constantly active and, and that occurs. In other words, James White says it this way, and I think it's a great way to phrase it. The gospel is ours to proclaim, not ours to edit. In other words... The people never even come to the point of understanding or hearing the gospel at all in this first situation. So, believers, don't buy the lie that there's a way that you can package it in some better way to stop them along the path where they will listen to you. You just proclaim the gospel. You don't go, hey, I've got a better bottle of water and it looks this way, it's more hip, it's more relevant, it sounds better this way, blah, blah, blah. It's just, here's, here's the gospel. We're sinners, Jesus is the Savior, and those who trust in the Savior will enter into the kingdom. That's it. You don't, you, there's no way to come up with it any better. There's no smoke that makes it better, there's no lights that make it better, there's no hip song that makes it better. It just is what it is. So believer, proclaim it. Say it aloud and let it fall. But no, Jesus says, to some it's going to be like a heart and soul. They're not even going to hear it. Just chatter along the path, if you will. And then number two, second topsoil, rock. The seed gets cast, some as falls along the paths, the wayside, some falls upon the rock. Maybe we could think stony, but don't think, well, don't think gravel parking lot, because <laughs> as we all know, grass grows up on that sucker out there, right? Don't think gravel parking lot. They don't have gravel parking lots in Palestine. Think something along the lines of you went to Lowe's and you bought some dirt, and you're taking it out the yard, and one bag fell, and it fell on your concrete driveway, and some soil spilt out, but up under it is rock-hard concrete. That does exist in Palestine, so this is kind of the second top soil that the seed can fall on. It's 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 one who receives with joy, the text says, and so in other words, there are some who are going to hear the gospel, but it's going to be an emotional moment. They receive it with joy. In other words, that was fun, man. That was a lot of people. It's it's mob mentality. It's, man, that is is a cool concert. It really is a concert, if you will. I was in student ministry for quite a while at some very, very large churches. And you can do A, B, and spend money and produce C. You really can. And you can draw lots of people to lots of things. And in that moment, it's kind of that mob mentality. Everybody's doing it. That is fun. That is exciting. Yes, in the same way that when ACDC comes on at a baseball game, you start bobbing your head. It gets in you. It's like, yeah, okay, I like that. And so that's the second topsoil that the seed falls upon. It's people who just in moments of elation and emotion, it's, that's fun, but not contemplating the truth of the gospel. It's a feeling. It's a feeling to be felt. But the problem with that is the moment that you leave the concert, you realize that life still exists and it's not that thumping anymore. And So it's not a truth that they've believed. It's been a feeling. So it really is the same. You'll remember Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and the crowd is screaming what? Hosanna. Hosanna. Two days later, they're screaming what? Crucify. Him. On the way in, it was fun. It was a rock concert. This guy's coming in as a soldier to smash those Romans. And then Jesus says, hey, I'm not here to smash the Romans. I'm here to offer my life as a substitution for your sin. And then they go, no, we don't want that. That don't feel right. We don't want your truth. We want you to cut some heads off. Right? So in this moment, It falls away. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, not everybody's going to listen. Some people are here because I'm doing miracles. They like me as David Blaine. But they don't like the fact that I'm here to save their soul from their sin problem. A truth to be believed. So the danger of feelings, if you're one of those feelings, people in this room is this. If you ride your feelings in you will ride your feelings right back out. The gospel is a truth to be believed. And as I say to people all the time, two plus two equals four don't feel like anything. It just is what it is. And the fact that Christ redeems us from our sins sometimes doesn't have a feeling. It's just a truth that can satisfy your soul in a way that feelings never can. It's the truth. So to be clear, what happens with these people <clears throat> in this moment is emotions come, emotions go, and then they wither away. And the withering here, to be careful, the withering here doesn't refer to the fact that some of these people begin to sin. Withering does not mean that they sin. Withering means that in their sin, they reject the truth that Christ is greater than their sin. Believers, we're going to struggle with sin. That's part of it. And the glorious news of the gospel is that Christ's ability to save is greater than our ability to sin. And so in this moment, emotions are not the best metric to find out if somebody has embraced the truth of the gospel or not. Pathway, wayside, rocky soil. But then also, as the seed is thrown, some will fall among thorns. Thorns. Think with me, briar patches. We used to ride bicycles all around Hueytown and had paths we would cut through. And some of you guys remember this you're riding your bicycle with your friend and you're getting it. You're having fun. You cut down a path, and all of a sudden, one of them scaly thorns from a briar patch grabs that leg and about cuts that sucker right off of your body. You know what I'm talking about? Or maybe you've been hiking, and you've encountered a briar patch, and you got thick in it, and all of a sudden, you didn't know how to get out of it. You know what I'm talking about? And you start plucking it, and you feel the blood beginning to bleed down your leg. Think briar patch. This is what's going on. So the seed can be thrown, and some find just itself in this um, hardened trampled path. Some of it on got a little bit of dirt, concrete underneath it. But then some, it does take root. But as it grows up, it's growing up with thorns. It's there's, there's a competition going on for its life. So the seed is thrown out, and this person basically has a divided heart. Maybe we could say. One foot in the world and one foot in the church. One foot, well, daddy told me I should go to church. Mama told me I should go to church. Papa told me I should go to church, so I I go to church. But man, my love affair is Wall Street. My love affair is the stock market. My love affair is what this spinning ball has to offer. And that's what plays out in the text. So it's really the truth of gospel substitution versus the pleasures of what the world has to offer. This type person wrestles with this. And ultimately, Jesus says, listen, some are going to hear the gospel and they're going to be overtaken, or maybe we can say it this way, they're going to succumb to the pleasures of trinkets. The next best thing offered on Black Friday is going to catch their eye more than the truth that their sins can be covered through the blood of Christ. It's the trinkets, it's the treasures, it's the riches. And so, it's, it's this verbiage. First, for this person, it's, I'll be satisfied finally when I am rich. To which all of us in here are like, amen, amen. Oh no, not amen. Amen. <laughs> right. I'll be satisfied when I'm rich. And then they get rich, and what is the next statement? I'll be satisfied when I'm richer. I just need a little bit more, and it never satisfies. It never comes, and so the gospel comes to this person. They like, man, the world. Yes, let me have all these things, and so they succumb to that. And I'll say this, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but man, it is a hobby horse of mine, and I don't want to ride hobby horses. But this is why the prosperity gospel is so stinking attractive. If you believe in Jesus, he'll make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. It's a mixture of Jesus but also the third soil. If you believe in Jesus, he will give you all the treasures of the world. It's seductive, man. And it floods our churches in America left and right. And it is disgusting. Here's what Jesus said about riches. Foxes, they've got little holes to go in. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Birds, they have nests to sleep in. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has none of these. Now will you follow me? That tugs at the heart. And so in this moment, there are some who hear that, and, and the gospel is so attractive when it's prosperity gospel to rich people in general but then also people of power. Oh, you're telling me that I can follow Jesus, but also worship myself? I want that one. And Jesus says, No, 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 no. The truth of the gospel is you worship me and you worship me alone, and you worship no one else, especially yourself. And so it falls. And ultimately, these people walk away and they go, I don't want the truth of the gospel. I want now. In here. Three types of soul. Now let's get to the fourth type of soul. The last type is the good soul. So the good soul is think with me, lush, black, rich soul. Think with me, Highway 69. You're driving Highway 69. You're driving Highway 69 to Jasper, Alabama, God's country. <laughs> And, and you're, you're driving down there and you are praying, Lord Jesus, don't let me get hit by a crazy log truck. Amen? <laughs> As I go down that sucker, all right? But you're going down through there and you're passing all those lush rolling hills with crops and all that kind of... Think that rich soil, okay? This, this is the good soil. And the good soil is those who hear the message of the truth. The truth being the good news of the kingdom that Christ has come as King to rule and reign in the hearts of those who will submit to Him as King and to be there forever, Lord. He comes with that good news and those who hold fast to the truth of that message, the truth, Not an emotional reaction, not a concert, not a euphoric feeling that comes and goes, not a a way to get uh, treasures or my bank account better or a a lucky rabbit's foot to get what I want, not anything. I just come because Jesus is worth coming to. He's the Savior, He's the only one that fixes my sin problem. They hold fast to that truth that Christ is sufficient. When we are not truth, they hold to that. That one bears fruit by default. Catch it. Not they work up fruits to prove that they trust in Jesus. They trust in him and the truth, and always out of that, he will produce fruits for them. They'll come. With that said, you may go, okay, how much fruit? Because I've seen some fruit, but man, I don't know how much fruit. Nowhere in the text does it say that all Christians will bear the same amount of fruit. Be free, church. Be freed, Because I think that's a lot of our problem, is we go, well, gosh, but I've, Andrew has a whole lot of fruit. And I just got this one little teeny plum, <laughs> right? And we start comparing fruit. Nowhere in the text does it say compare fruit. Don't you dare buy into that lie. Some of you are on the journey to where you, you've just begun to be little plum, right? And then all of a sudden, God's going to take your plum and he's going to make two plums. And then before you know it, it's going to be like the gremlins, Again, cultural context. There's only so many of y'all that have seen Gremlins, which is sad. We're going to show that next Wednesday night. Come watch Gremlins. All right? And then it's going to multiply, and then it's going to multiply. And then all of a sudden, your plums will turn into apples. And you're like, how did that happen? And you go, I don't know. And God says, I did it, right? And then it turns into, boom, oranges. And then before you know it, there's a tree. And it, it just changes and it morphs. And then all of a sudden, you're like, I'm an orange tree. And he goes, no, nah, you're going to be a watermelon patch. And then you become a watermelon patch. And it's just he's doing things. And here's the thing. You're sitting there going, yeah, but I want to be a lemon tree. And God's going, let me make you what I want you to be. Don't buy into the lie of I, my, my fruit has to match somebody else's fruit. He said, here's what you need to be worried about. Be worried about do you trust in the fact that I am sufficient to cover your sin or not? Focus on that. And let me take care of the orchards. Number one, don't compare yourself. And then number two, we may go, okay, that's fine. But what kind of fruit? How will I know it's valid fruit? Stop. Stop. Because if you're focusing on how will I know it's valid fruit, you are one step away from becoming a Pharisee who begins to worship, here's my fruit. Look at my tassels. Look at my prayer life. Look at how much I do. You're one step away. You focus on Christ and his supremacy. But with that said, what kind of fruit? Whatever brings God glory. However, He brings glory to Himself through you. Fruits of the Spirit. When you express love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control any of them. You can rest assured you didn't do that. He did it for you, through you. Fruits. Spreading seed to others and not being worried about, did I cast it on rocky soil or a path or thorns? You just throw seeds out there. Hey, Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's a fruit. Yeah, but what if nobody believes? What did Paul say? I planted, Apollo's watered, and who caused the growth? God caused the growth. Using your gifts for God's glory, fruits. Teaching your own kids the gospel—that is a fruit. That is a tremendous fruit. Proclaiming the gospel to your spouse or your partner, or often and always meeting needs in Christ's name, fruits. Spiritual disciplines: prayer, Bible study. Whatever. Singing, fruits. Use of time and money, fruits, fruits, fruits. And the last thing I'll say as the band comes up, fighting the fight. Fighting the fight is a fruit. If you are on the journey going, I am Troy. The worst thing they did at this church was give me this stool. Because I don't know what to do with it. Sit in it, use it as an illustration. And some of you are like, You're going to fall off the edge of that thing. I might. And that'll be a fun Sunday. Some of you are clinging with your claws and going, I am hanging on to Jesus by a thread. And I would go, That's a fruit. The fact that you haven't gone, I don't believe at all, is a divine miracle that he's the one keeping your claws stuck in, a fruit. Fight the fight. So church, how do we wrap it up? Six things on the screen, you can see them. What does this text say to us by takeaway? Number one, Jesus says, hey, we're called to share and speak the gospel faithfully, not relevantly. You can't package the gospel better than Jesus gave us the gospel. He's sufficient for your sin. Number two, God causes any and all growth. Hey, ladies following me, 12 people, a lot of people ain't going to follow us. Any growth that happens is going to be because God causes it. Number three, not everyone who hears will believe the gospel because they'll think it's too simple. It's too dumb. It's too scandalous. I got to do something. They won't believe. Number four. Some will hear and will believe. So the good news of that is if you're in this room and you're believing again, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Number five, God will get the glory when harvest season is over, which is the gospel news today. Hey, church, grace is here, but grace will run out. It will run out, which is why we're to believe the gospel today. Believe today. And be safe today. One day, there'll be no more grace. And it'll be just judgment. Will you trust in the truth of the gospel today? And then number seven. Hey, church, this is the best one. The pressure's off. The pressure is off. Our job is to scatter the seed. And then let God be God. Would you stand? And would you pray with me?